0: Log Talk Radio. Talk, talk radio. Please Hello. hold and you will be able to listen to the show. Tania Can you hear me? Yeah, I heard you. Calling back in. Okay. I think I'm back on. Okay, I think I'm back on. Well, technical difficulties do happen now and then. All right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get on the first part of this show. Here, I'm here. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to get So we're going to talk now about, you know, really, why do these things happen? How on earth do these things happen? We know the system is not crooked all the way around, okay? We, or let me put it this way. We know that there are people that do believe in due process and that are in office, are uh, Bill of Rights, our Constitution, and they couldn't sleep if they knew that there was somebody that is going to prison or to death row that might be innocent. And we just found a bunch of them in, in Oklahoma regarding Richard Glossop's case okay so we just found a bunch of them that they have asked uh Governor Stitt to to, there's about seven or eight of them uh that have asked Governor Stitt uh we need to learn more about this case why this has gone on for so long and why he uh is if, if there's a chance that he is actually innocent we cannot murder you know which it is murder an innocent man um if this was done through malfeasance, the people that actually were uh, part of the malfeasance, that knew it was happening or concocted it, uh, then guess what? You know, then that's really kidnapping. That's holding somebody hostage. That is the worst forms of abuse. That is third world country abuse. Okay? That's not supposed to happen here. I wish it didn't happen anywhere. But right now, we're in America, and we should not have one person. It goes to death row. And whether you believe in death row or not, okay, I'm just going to say, if you believe in death row, not one person, God knows, I hope you agree. Now, one person should be on death row and face the Almighty Father who will welcome that person in. But why early if he is innocent or she is innocent? Okay, this has happened quite a bit. All right, so for right now, uh, I think I have Stephen on. Uh, Stephen Burke, are you with us? Hello, Stephen, are you there? I'm not sure if Stephen is with us or not, but what I want to talk about for a few minutes. Yeah, I'm
1: here. It just takes me a minute to get unmuted.
0: Okay. (laughs) Were you working while you were on before? Is that it? (laughs)
1: No, I just I just gotta get this phone screen back on and then unmute it, you know. Right, the, gotcha. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to put you in that position. Is James Creek with us by any chance? Does anybody know that? Marty? I'm not sure if he um if he uh, saw that I had sent him. That's fine if he's it's fine if uh, he wasn't able to. But okay. The problem is, you know, well, what I want to talk about, because I think everybody knows there are certain problems going on with the logistics of our government, of the justice system or the injustice system, where it is, however you want to um, call it, whatever you want to call it. Again, it's not always like that, okay? Uh, Believe me, uh, there's, you know, law and order is important, but, um, but we have had, public corruption going on for probably as long as there has been a government. We cannot, we cannot think that that is not true. But this has escalated, and it has, um, it's, the, it's like snowball where there's more regulations, more rules, more processes that have put the citizens in the position, the taxpayers, the citizens in the position, and those that are actually part of litigation as well, of course, uh, in the position of paying more and more money, okay, more and more money, um, because these processes are actually put into play. And yet, unfortunately, what you wind up seeing is that it also has become more when more of these things are put into play a breeding ground for malfeasance for too many people that that can say hmm this is an opening for me to get a piece
2: of this
0: to linger along with this lawsuit or this probate case or you know with the will and everywhere from where it exists everywhere from you know the judges to the attorneys. Honest to God, it happens. Honest to God. So why is it that when you've drafted a legal document, such as a will, all right, why is it that, and it's notarized, like you have stated that you are of sound mind, you have stated that what you want your wishes to be, nothing has been left out, has not been through duress. Why is it that that document needs to go through the court? Now, we can come up with all kinds of reasons, right? We can say, well, we want to make sure there's no malfeasance. The thing is, what if nobody is claiming now seasoned to begin with. Shouldn't this only go where to the court if somebody is disputing? Shouldn't that be when something goes... You know, what about our own wishes? I understand that it can be there to protect something from going wrong. But who's protecting it from going wrong when it is in front of a court or in the hands of a judge, uh, of a lawyer, uh, where there's literally um, Rico going on inside that court? Now, Now, the Attorney General isn't there necessarily to protect each citizen, even though you'd think they would be, right? I believe that's what they're supposed to be, to be, to do. But it's there to protect the best interest of the state, of the state. And you can contact your attorney general, and some great things can come from it, right? True. Fact. Okay? But far too often when you contact the attorney general, um, they don't want to hear it. They'll poo for you. They won't return your calls they will say uh, that's not his job they will and and then some people some of the uh next in line uh, that speak on behalf of the attorney general will say well we are here uh we work for the state not for you <laughs> well jeez you should have said that when uh when you were campaigning right well this really happens folks this really happens so why is it that it seems that um well, it's a fact that this does happen, and I'm looking right now. Civil relief, more than $10,000 in initial filing. This is for civil. Okay, uh, condemnation. Dispute mediation fee, $7. Uh, petition, $150. Uh, law library fee, $6. Um, a court information system revolving fund, $25. Uh, Council on Judicial Complaints, revolving funds. Well, really? Do they really use that? $5. Oh, boy. I, I, in some places, I'd like to say, no, 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 no. <laughs> that is certainly not being used. Somebody's got their kitty in the pot because it's an exception to the rule when this will be uh, followed up on. Um, let me see. What else? All kinds of revolving fees that you have to pay for. And then you also have taxpayers that are footing the bill. They're also footing the bill with matters that are engaged in, that where uh, the government itself has involved themselves in malfeasance. Okay? What's the answer, folks? What is the answer? Putting the bill. For appeals, for all kinds of experts, for petitions, for it's criminal, it's civil. Who's putting the bill? You and I are. Whatever state you're in, when it goes wrong, you know, some states are worse than others, some districts are worse than others, okay, or maybe some attorney generals are worse than whatever it is, I'm not, once again, not everybody's a part of this ugly, ugly, dysfunctional part of the system that really uh, that actually does take people hostage that does kidnap that does ultimately murder if they knew that somebody was on death row and they didn't belong there put them there why are we paying for that what is wrong with that picture again I believe in law and order I believe in justice But why is it that that's just one example? That's just one example. I'd like to know what your thoughts are on this, Stephen Burke. I asked Stephen Burke to come on uh, with me because he always has great commentary to offer uh, and uh, is a constitutional warrior.
1: Well, I don't know about being a lawyer, but I do know a little bit about that. Constitution, well, no, 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 I, I didn't say that. A <laughs> <few> <laughs>
0: Warrior. I said warrior. I'm not going to remember oh, okay.
1: Warrior. Yeah. Yeah, well, we should all be fighting for the Constitution. That's the supreme law of the land, other than God. But it sure gets ignored a lot.
0: Uh, what is it that you feel that is most ignored?
1: <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. They, um, well, they're a bunch of crooks, and that 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 uh, piece of GD paper, as George Bush called it, is standing in their way. Uh huh. He he said that on national television. It's just a God blank piece of paper, you know. Needs to be done away with.
0: That's what he called it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, on national television.
0: Wow. And what was he referring
1: to? The Constitution the whole thing.
0: Right, but in particular, okay. So he obviously had a problem with something while he was, was he in office at the time?
1: Yeah, he was president. Okay. Huh. I didn't think that was a very good statement from the person that, uh, supposed to be a conservative and swore to uphold the Constitution of the United States to protect it. Wow. And then he calls yeah. it a, something like that. Says it needs to be I, done away with, but that just confirmed that he's a one world globalist traitor. Yeah oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, there are so there are so many um I know they're conspiracy theories are considered conspiracy pe- theories but actually um there's so much that, you know, if you go to other places and mainstream media that you can learn about the Bush family, um, that, yeah, uh, that they were uh, not involved. They were involved in some very bad things. I mean, there's
1: Yeah. Where they, do you want to go? They, Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, so, Daddy Bush created that skull and bones nonsense and all of that where they do all their – really? Rituals and stuff That's what I found out With all my studies Wow
0: I know know a lot about the Bushes But I didn't know About this But you you know what I feel I mean my feeling is that This is why The people Us The people that put You know the vote in Anybody Anybody to represent us and those people that will appoint others to represent us, that the people need to take a stance and let our public servants, respected or not, okay, know that we want to have hands-on oversight. We want to Make sure that there are no conflicts of interest because we know that there are conflicts of interest throughout the system with the Bar Association uh, and with the uh, Judicial Oversight Committee. Um, They work sometimes, but a lot of times they don't. And it rips people's money from them. It rips people's freedoms from them. It rips families apart. It, um, it, uh, it many suicides, you know, when a parent has, uh, when their children who they love the most, when a child has been taken away from them, alleging that they're bad parents, where, you know what, there's profit to be made. Uh, and actually, many children go into foster homes where they're being abused. And then there's the black market you know, what it's worth for their organs. I mean, I know I'm getting off on the subject a little bit, but guess what? It really is the subject. When there is not proper oversight, these things not only have happened, they're actually happening. I'm not saying they're happening in your district. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But when somebody is, you know, brave enough to talk with you about something that's happening to them that puts them in a bad light if you believe the corpse and the way that they have made decisions, okay? Sometimes it's hard to share that with somebody. But this is why people like us, most of our listeners right now, this is why it's really important to listen and not roll your eyes, boy, you must have done something wrong. Guess what? There aren't always two sides to every story. Just It might sound good, but there really aren't always two sides to every story. In fact, I believe there's one, and that is the truth. So uh, how do you feel about the oversight?
1: Well, I feel like that uh, the people that's responsible for the oversight, from my own personal experiences here in the state of Oklahoma, you just pick a department, and whoever's supposed to be having the oversight over them, they're corrupt, too. And then the department that's supposed to have the, the, the oversight over that department's corrupt, too, and the one above that's supposed to have the oversight over it, it's corrupt, too, all the way to the top. And that's personal experience. Mm-hmm. And so,
0: Stephen, I'm going to ask you what to, many of us, is an obvious answer. But why do you think? It's corrupt. Why do you think that bad things are happening to people? Like what is the incentive? What is the incentive yeah. for public servants and appointed uh, government uh, people? Uh, why, what's the incentive?
1: Power and money.
0: Yeah. That's it. That is it. So when there's not citizen oversight, that is a regular turnover. So I believe that's what we need. We need citizen oversight. Kind of like you get the juries, right? You get juries, right? Okay. Not handpicked by um not handpicked by any attorney, so okay. Or the judge there. So that it that there's oversight committees that is put together by the people and it's also turned over. So you don't have the same people there all the time. Say three months at a time. Three months of faithful service
3: to your district, to the state,
0: whatever it is, where there's oversight, where uh, you can go into the county jail even, are people being treated well. Obviously, you want a corrections officer there to protect you as you're looking around unannounced, Where, uh, where the people can go and – Look at the files where, um, where convictions are going wrong, where probate is going wrong, and that there is somebody for the litigants to go to, especially and say, hey, something's not fishy here. Maybe even just that. Maybe even just that. Okay, time for citizens oversight to step in. What's wrong here? I like that idea. I'm wondering how you feel about it.
1: Well, it certainly couldn't be any worse than what we got now. I guarantee you that. No matter what happened, it couldn't be any worse than what we've got.
0: Right. And again, why does something that you have notarized, that you either had a lawyer help you with or not, but you've done it correctly through the state, you know, requirements or whatever, why are there state requirements, you know, how to? Put your will together, right? But if you got a couple witnesses, uh, blah blah blah. Why is it that those wishes are not just followed through on?
1: Well, the lawyers what? and the judges—they got to make some money.
0: Well, right. And how much does it cost us all? And then when they're making their money, people that have the wherewithal are going to fight. And again, some people have, you know, they'll forever be scarred at the very least. Um, Bad things can happen where it does. So that's not good. That is definitely not good. So I'm a huge believer in not only, you know, so we elect people uh, to serve for us, to represent our wants and needs, but... um, but we make sure that they are actually really, really following through on what they were elected for. You know, uh, the word reform, the word reform to me, just yes, I'm sick and tired of hearing about reform. I'm tired of hearing about it in campaigns. I'm tired of hearing about it in general because it sounds good. That's another thing that sounds good, but um, we can't keep fighting for reform. When it's not happening, we need to go one at a time and correct what is wrong or what is not in the best interest of we, the people, that can become very much victims to the system and do become that where we do. Huge, huge issues. Um, And this is why, this is why there are so many shows just like this one. Um, Heck, I'd rather not do a show. I would rather not have to talk about it. I'd rather have a show with lots of rainbows, happy stories. But until it's more right than wrong and that there truly are remedies to make something right, we need to continue with our journey. If you could change one thing right now, and I know I'm touching on the spot, what would it be? Well,
1: I'm not quite sure what you're asking, but anyway.
0: Okay. Well, my, my magic wish would be that every wish I wish would come true. <laughs>
1: well, that'd be a the that. good one.
0: And then, and also I always used to say when somebody asked me, Hey, make a wish. What was your wish? What was your wish? I wish that every wish that I wish would come true. But I can promise you this, uh, they'd all be good wishes. It would all be good wishes. Um, all right. All right. So let's talk about um, your station and Saturday, uh, what you do on Saturday for anybody who is within your listening area in Oklahoma and the surrounding areas. Uh, and uh, also what you have going on. I think the uh, the choir, the singing, is happening this weekend as well. Would you like to share that? And then I am going to invite our guests
1: on the show. Okay, we did the singing Friday night already, so that's... Uh,
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> ...that's been
1: done, but on Saturday at noon, we always get on and talk about all the current events going on in the world, and... I don't try to be politically correct. If you're trying to find somebody that's gonna tell you the same thing that you've been hearing, that's uh, not you. A hogwash. Then you're tuning into the wrong place because not gonna happen here. I'm just gonna tell you the truth. Anyway, noon on Saturdays, and uh, that gets right? long-winded. Some at noon, yeah, and that gets long-winded sometimes, because as everybody knows, there's a lot of stuff going on to to report nowadays.
0: Yeah, and Mainstream has heisted it, so we need to make sure that we get ourselves in there.
1: There needs to be some alternative opinions out there, and they've they've pretty much silenced all of those.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, I, I definitely appreciate that, and uh, and yeah, definitely. That, that's just we need more people listening. So if you're if you're listening in from Oklahoma and the surrounding areas, eighty nine point nine KLRB FM Lighthouse Christian Radio, and they're out of Stewart, and it has uh, a reach pretty well throughout Oklahoma and the surrounding states. Which states are they? Are they that? Are you reach parts of anyways?
1: We reach over into Arkansas and down into Texas sometimes a little ways. It just depends on whether something's uh, interfering with our signal or not. You know how that goes.
0: Oh, okay. well, I definitely know how that goes. Absolutely. I was going to say one more thing. And it was on the tip of my tongue. And, of course, um, every, oh, yeah, and sometimes after the shows that we do, you continue carrying on dialogue on, on the show. Especially when yeah. it's about the local area, the Calvin cases or the Wisconsin and whatnot, right?
1: Yeah, I frequently continue commenting about stuff sometimes after the after your show signs off. If I had anything to say, you know, about something that's going on, I'd just go ahead on with it. And at least uh, the listeners here get to hear it, whatever.
0: Yeah, and we're hoping someday, you know, but uh we can all hear you um but, but we're glad you're there and um appreciate everything that you do to uh to uh, uh get the word out and and who you are and what you are and how you do it. So appreciate that. And uh and Stephen Burke just in case anybody's wondering, he is you know, he runs the uh Lighthouse Christian Radio 89.9 KLRBFM Lighthouse Christian Radio in Oklahoma. So he, yeah, found that there's substance and it's important to share these shows. And we've been doing this for a few years now. So pretty sure a few years now, a couple of years at least. I know with Marty, I think we're on a few years. Okay, so uh, thank you. And now I'm going to bring on none other than Angie Dent, who is an advocate extraordinaire. And she has been working exclusively on Michael Skate's case. And Connie Mayhew, and I apologize, Connie. I had actually uh, put Hugh uh, before. Thought I had seen Hugh, but I fixed it on tonight's uh, graphic promo. So, and we have Connie
2: Mayhew. So how are you?
0: How are you both?
1: Hello.
0: Maybe Marty has muted them. Let me find out. Do we have you there? We're having technical difficulties again. Steven, can you still hear me?
1: Yeah, I can hear you.
2: Okay,
0: well, stay on with me. Marty Oakley, are you there? I'm going to message Angie. And I'm going to message Marty. Okay, Angie, um you're on, but I Marty, I think she's not unmuted. Hello? All right. Uh I I do want to apologize while I'm waiting for um while I'm waiting for Andy to be brought on. I want to apologize because I did say that um I I called George at one point. I called him Mike. So I I'm sorry about that. Uh George skates. Hello Marty, are you there? message her another way. Bear with us. Please bear with us. Um Okay, Angie, uh four four oh, right? I believe so. Let me just double check that. All right. Hello. So okay. All right. So we've got you here, Angie, right? Now Connie. Yes. Uh, do we do we have Connie out with us?
3: there we go.
0: Tanya? You're yeah. you've got Angie on. Okay. Okay, and I'm looking for Connie right now too.
3: And what are the first three okay.
0: numbers for for Connie, Angie? Oh, let me check. Thank you. Nine seven zero.
2: I think that is it, yeah. Okay, hang on. Let me open her up here.
0: Thank you, Marty.
2: Is this, yeah, is this Connie? Can you, yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There okay. you go.
0: All
2: right. We are loaded Thank up you. and
0: ready to go. <laughs> All right. So, Connie, how are you tonight?
2: I'm good. How are you guys? Thank you. Great. For Great. How-
0: Thanks. Thanks for coming back on again
2: tonight. I know that you are um,
0: working very closely with Angie and you are taking this case as you do all of your cases very seriously, in case anybody is wondering. Uh, You will see Connie on the graphic uh, That uh, if you are on here through live stream. She is on the graphic, Connie Mayhew, and she's a private investigator and paralegal. And um, and we're happy, really happy to have you uh, with us And Angie Dent, Angie Dent, who has been the advocate extraordinaire, who is solely at this time working on the case of George Skates. Now, Angie, how are you tonight? And can you just confirm if I am saying Skates correctly or not?
3: I am doing very well. Thank you. And, yes, you're saying it correctly, Skates.
0: Okay. All right. Now, um, are the – are those that in, are in prison now, do they have, they do have iPads now, right? And they're able to tune in to certain things or no? I know that they have better contact abilities, but I'm just wondering, is there any chance that George is actually able to listen to this?
3: Uh, he won't be able to listen to it live, I'd say. Right. The tablets that they have um, does not have access to the the internet, the free internet. So, okay. you know, they're very strict on what they're allowed to do. Um, but okay. we're going to try to get in the recordings to George so he can. And he gets an update on everything that we do
2: every great. day.
0: Great, great, All right, great. Because I'd love you to share what you can. I, now, keep in mind that um, there is a gag order. Uh, uh, George is not allowed to speak about uh, the Lucasville right so he is not allowed to speak on it and that probably even means send a comment right
3: well I you know I want to say something with that Connie and I spoke with his one of his attorneys the other day his federal public defender and George is not allowed to have his discovery um, because of some uh, protection orders and the gag order and Connie asked very very good question if George was and asked this to his lawyer, if George was defending himself, would he be entitled to his discovery? And the public defender tried to evade the question. he threw a lot uh-huh. of filibuster words in there he finally it came down to well, yeah, he probably would get his discovery, but right now he's not allowed to even see his own discovery in his case for Lucasville okay, all right, so he'. And doesn't Okay,
0: so we will get okay. So, so it's it's basically it's, it's basically being stone wall to try to help his own case out, you know, um, because the uh, public defenders have had this for a while, and we'll uh, go, we'll go farther in, into that. I'm so glad that we have um, more time tonight, and I want to apologize to the listeners and and to uh, both of you um, where I made a mistake. On Tuesday, and I ended the show half an hour early. I uh, so I want to apologize to anybody who's out there supporting George and and uh, anybody uh, for that. I just I got the days mixed up because on Tuesdays we start half an hour later. And uh, you know, hey, I'm not perfect. That is for sure. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Now uh, tonight. And, and, again, listeners, if you if we have anybody new on tonight, please take a look at the promo, okay, that's uh, that's on either Marty Oakley's uh, pages or you can look at Injustice. Uh, um, forgive me, you can look at Journeys to Justice uh, uh, Facebook page, and, and, and the promo is in there. But within that promo, you can listen to, I shared the link, where there the first two shows where we got started with George Gates. And so the, the history, the back history is there because we don't want to always use up a lot of time and get into the case uh, too much. We can always, you know, go through it very, very quickly. But I've got a couple of questions here. Um, when was it? Because I know, Andy, that you're very close uh, with Justice Skates, which is Georgia's daughter, as well as yes. with the Arthur Smith family, which is actually the first conviction—that was a death row conviction or not?
3: The first conviction was 15 to life. 15
0: he to received. life. Okay. Okay, not death row. So thank you for clarifying that. Uh, but uh, but it, there, that was once again test, snitch testimony. We'll get into that more but uh when was it that there was this realization whether it be with you know justice or through George and I know that you've been on this for what about 6 months or a year now
2: so right.
0: when was it that it dawned on them and the Arthur Smith family because you're very close with them as well and Arthur was murdered mm-hmm. And uh, his his children do not believe it was George. As a matter of fact, they know it was not George, just as mm-hmm. George knows it wasn't George. Quite frankly, I believe the prosecutor knows it wasn't George, and the public defender knows it wasn't George. And that's why 20 years later, <laughs> releasing right. transcripts. Okay, sorry, I get a little. Uh, <laughs> and Angie is also very close to George. Uh, speak to them daily when she can, when she's allowed. So, um, uh, which is a good thing, which is a good thing, because at one point it was once a year uh, Mm -hmm. that the inmates could only have an outgoing call. And that was one of the reasons for the uprising and the uh, the riot in Lucasville. Uh, But when was it that it dawned on... Those well, are affected by I, this
3: that this is just like really bad. I'd say I think George probably knew all along. Um but for the family, I'd say after we got the records from the federal public defenders and then we went further and we made sure we got all the sheriff's report, police reports, the prosecutors handwritten notes and got the complete file and we started reading this these unremarkable series uh, dozens of theories of things that may have happened to Mr. Smith none of them involving George um we seen the corruption that was was taking place and the cover up and George was the fall guy and so he, I'd say after we received the records and we started going through them, and it took us a long time. The records were a mess that w- when we received them, they came on Wait, eight different flash drives. That? Well, they came on okay. eight different flash drives, and there's a couple different federal public defenders that are working on the Lucasville case, plus several different um, private investigators, and so they're all they've all got their hands in that in this file, and they're making copies, and we re- we got copies, four copies of some things, no, you know, two copies of other things. It just, it was a mess. It, it wasn't in order. Um,
0: do you think, think that's that was... how it is there? Do you think that that's how their files show up? I mean, is that the way that uh, 20 years later, um, <laughs> the files are, are in uh, such a disarray? uh do you uh, do you think that that's how they refer to their files uh, so that they just can't find anything
3: you know it took us 3 months to get it straightened out close to 3 months before we could even start reading them and really digesting all the information <laughs> because the information is just mind blowing the things that the prosecutor hand wrote and as far as their files i'd say if their files are in that same order and condition that we received them, it's no wonder they've done nothing for George in 20 years. So it's hard to
0: tell not figure it out. that
3: way to overwhelm so, you. Well, how uh, and how if,
0: long did it take to actually get the records from them? And had anybody uh, tried to do that before you got involved, Andy? I,
3: I don't know if anyone tried to do that before I got involved. And it took a little while. It it took us a couple weeks to get the records because, you know, there was always, there was a reason. It took us longer, though, to get the records from the prosecutor's office than it did the federal public defenders. Uh, Oh, uh, okay. Well,
0: uh, I can see that. And how long did that take?
3: The prosecutor? uh, um, It took a phone call every week for about six and a half weeks. And then my offering to come in and make copies myself, if I could get the records, I'd say probably two and a half hey, months. Hey, is your
0: dad listening to TV again?
3: No. <laughs> okay.
0: We we hear TV in the background, so if anybody's got TV going on. Okay. All right. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That. That's funny. <laughs>
3: um, so go ahead. I'm sorry. I think Connie was wanting to say something a minute ago.
0: Yeah, Connie. Connie i going to bring you in a minute. Go ahead. Connie, were you? I gonna was get just going to say. Records?
2: Well, I know. Um, <laughs> that's something that is, is big with what I do is, is getting records. And so I always have my clients sign a release of information and I want everything. If, if I'm going to review a case, I want to be able to see everything and, you know, um, put, put it all together and, and figure out what went wrong, what wasn't done, what could have been done. And (laughs) that's That's one thing that stuck out to me when we got all of these records, and I had George sign a release of information for me mm-hmm. to give to the public defenders in order to get these records um, yeah and, and they were very
0: the public defenders have them and you've got to get you got to get them because they're not doing anything with it. This is where your tax dollars are going right. okay
2: <laughs> right, so I just wanted to comment on so when when I'm looking at records if if they're not organized and and they're not in a in in a format, whether it's discovery you know the the police reports, the um attorney files, the court records, if they're not in some kind of order, you can't make any sense of them whatsoever so that's always the first thing that I do whenever I get documents from for my client's case is, is I put them in some sort of order. Um, right. And usually I have to get documents from all different areas because they're, they're stored at different places, whether it's the prosecution, you know, the D, DA's office, the courts, the attorneys, and then you organize them. And, and I don't know how you even are able to go through and review anything when it's in disarray like it was with the public defender's office you know how do you how do you even know what no and how do you even know what's there and what's not there if it's all disorganized and that just tells me that when you have things, because if I send my stuff that I've worked on with a client to somebody, it's—I mean, it's in a specific folder. It's organized because that's what I have to do before I start even reviewing a case. And so that just tells me they're just getting this stuff, putting it in a folder, and and are they even looking at it? You know, um, you know are they doing anything of? with it? Don't your vote you,
0: you know, i well, I go to um, a, a great, you know, medical center, it's a hospital trauma center, Dartmouth-Hitchcock in New Hampshire, right? And we have an online, you know, where we can go look at our records, and we can even look at mm-hmm. the notes that the doctors put in after each, uh, after each uh, visit, okay? And so when you go in person and you visit – You know, they always say, dressed appropriately, appropriately, as long as you are, you know what I mean? Seems to be a good sound mind, blah, 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 whatever like that is, okay, right? And so, like, to me, I'm just thinking, you know, okay, because that is, all right, basically, all right, right, how's, how's our client doing? How is, you know, how do they present? Well, look at how, look at how the public defender's office represents. If they are to be judged by that file alone, they'd be in a huh. – uh, they'd be getting a lot of help, wouldn't they? Right? If they were to be judged yeah. by that, we'd say something is wrong here. We need to get this office help, whether they're sabotaging themselves or maybe they're sabotaging the client. That's,
3: we were discouraged just, to, uh, from even investigating we were, we were told if there was any questions to be asked, they've already asked them. If there's any rocks to turn over, they've already turned the rocks over. If there's anybody to contact, they've already contacted them. Don't you know that the federal public defender contacted me and wanted the phone number of a very important person in this case on how to contact that person and where that person lives? And well, they and should have already only known that. And after you
0: got the records, which is 20 years later, right?
3: Right, Exactly.
0: So they've yep. been holding out for a phone number. They're, they're oh gosh, they're great, great. They're doing their job, all right. How much <laughs> is Ohio paying for these? <sighs> seem to be doing their jobs? We'll find out. We'll find out, and maybe they'll come around. But let me tell you, they're a little late, and it feels a little bit like George has been kidnapped to me. It feels as though yeah. he's being held hostage to me because he's not allowed defense effective defense isn't that what you're supposed to do when you take your oath as an attorney criminal defense attorney whether you are public or whether you are private you have an oath and uh (laughs) I'm going to let our listeners know a little bit more about George Gates's life okay it, is, it was shared with me, and I'm not sure if it's okay if I, if I share who shared it with me, but it is somebody very, very close to him. All right, so I'm going to read it. Uh, George Gates was born in Marion, Ohio, raised in a one-parent household by a mother who had a severe mental disability. Growing up, he never knew the feeling of acceptance, love, or compassion. He hardly knew his father, who died when George was 14 society, raised George, and the streets schooled him. He quickly felt acceptance by the outlaws of society. People who know him describe him as a protector, honest, kind-hearted, loyal, a good old country boy. He's a guy who would go take groceries to a struggling mother, take a friend to see her ill mother at the hospital every week, the friend you call when your car breaks down, or you need to be bonded out of jail. George describes himself as a solid convict who lives code, forgive me, I need to move down on the page here, a code which has, forgive me, which has earned him a spot on Ohio's death row because he refused to snitch after the Lucasville riots. So he went from 15, I think, to life to death row. Ah. Okay. A Bell Fountain, Ohio 1979 the murder of Mr. Arthur Smith, manager at George, was framed for in 1983 and received up to a life sentence. Yeah. I'm going to continue. I'm just, uh, forgive me for these breaks and in, in, uh, in, in reading this, but uh, okay. Bear with me. I'm just scrolling down. Um, convicted solely. Here we go. Convicted solely on inmate snitch, Jimmy, and Diane Rogers' testimony. They accused George after Diana was wrongfully indicted for the murder. Uh, mm-hmm. The Rogers were given immunity. They were given immunity in Mr. Smith's murder and over 17 other aggravated felony crimes. I believe I'm just going to add my two cents, and I believe he had been convicted of both. Okay. Uh, Mm All right, good, so you just confirmed that. All right, the riot. Talk about the riot. Why did George speak? George, by the way, listeners, was the spokesperson when the riot was taking place. He didn't know the riot was going to happen. He had no idea about the riot. He was writing letters at the time the riot took place from where all this mm-hmm. took place. But he was asked to be the spokesperson once the riot took place. So he spoke because he is a protector. Having been incarcerated 10 years, remember, this is wrongful. And this will come out. Having been incarcerated 10 years, he was respected mutually among the guards and inmates. You hear that? The guards and the inmates. Uh, um, let me move back down this page. can forgive me uh, He was not a part he, he was not a part of the plan of carrying out the riot. He tried his best to be a part of the solution. He did everything he possibly could to save lives and there are you know there's more to that that has been told and can be shared uh, and maintain peace between all the inmates. A matter of fact, mm-hmm. uh, there's a corrections officer that said that George saved his life. Is that correct?
3: That's correct yes
0: okay all right it is uh, it is noted in court documents that he saved lives of three guards, not just one but three Howard Fraley by putting him a hole in the wall and calling the officials to get him treatment okay. Mm-hmm. So we have Howard Fraley that lived through that riot because of George. Then we thought officers Jeff Radcliffe and Daryl Clark, Jr. George personally protected them, personally, which means he put his body in front of them when others were trying to actually kill him. He fought him off. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. There are many inmates who speak very highly of George and his positive impact on that situation. George is accused of ordering the death of two inmates during the riot. This is what got him the death sentence. The inmates Mm -hmm. who confessed and were sentenced in court for these murders declared George had no part whatsoever in these acts. Can I repeat that? I'm going to repeat that for these murders. Declare George had no part whatsoever in these deaths. And yet, George is accused and found guilty of ordering the death of two inmates during the riot.
3: Oh, okay. Whew. I'd like to add something with that. The prosecutor, I'm sorry, the prosecutor, when the man who admitted to the murder was on the stand, the prosecutor stated, and it's in the transcripts, that um, Mr. Skates would be up here. If Mr. Skates would have cooperated and gave us the information that we wanted, he would have been on the stand testifying, and it would have been Anthony Lovell fighting for his life, going to death row.
0: Oh, sure. So let's just, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Mm-hmm. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Snitch testimony, people. Snitch testimony. Wrongful convictions. They say George did not order these people, the, the two that had admitted, okay. They say George did not order or take part in any of the murders. The murder of Officer The Landingham was put on anyone this state on. The prosecutor states in an interview they may never know who actually killed Officer Blanningham. Oh, goodness. I wonder why. Why don't they want to know is what it sounds like. As the investigation unfolded, it seems the prime suspect for Officer Blanningham's murder, star witness, Oh, leader of the Black Gangster Disciples, Anthony Lavell. Anthony Lavell, at the time, I don't know what he is now. The leader of the Black Gangster Disciples, and he wound up being the state's star witness, George's. Uh, reason for being guilt for being found guilty and on death row oh boy in order to secure a solid conviction the state allowed the real killer
3: to go free
0: again this is where we go when the information that you're getting is hearsay I can see using other information that is supposedly a witness, okay? Just to feel the deal when you already have, whether it's DNA, video, how about that? Video, or beyond a shadow of a doubt, what is needed to honestly convict a man or woman. But to rest solely and rely solely on pardoned criminal, and the leader of a gang, this is what the prosecution did. So uh, who actually killed? Who actually killed Bolandingham? Once again, prosec- the, uh, the prosecutors have said they may never know in order to see a solid conviction the state allowed the real killer to go free the media of course the media jumped on board with that and they stereotyped george so this was wound up being the influence of the court of public conviction domino effects because this is what the prosecutors chose to do was actually go after somebody who was far from beyond a shadow of a doubt. You'll see. Far from it. Ah, the media stereotype, George, claiming he's a member of a white supremacy gang. Oh, okay, so now it went from the fact a leader of a black gang to flipping that thing around, doing a 180 and claiming that George is a member of a white supremacy gang. Not only is this not true but there are many sworn statements from inmates of different races that were there to discredit these false accusations that is compelling is sure it there honey yeah. what what in the files because we know that sometimes Uh, We know that sometimes – I'm just going to let this call that's coming in go. Uh, I'm going to decline it, actually. Uh, We know that sometimes uh, what is found in the docket and the transcripts and in files and whatnot, it isn't always accurate because the transcriber doesn't always uh, do it accurately, uh, whether it's a mistake or potentially, you know, just fraud on purpose, you know, and that's why they don't allow in some places uh, recordings. Uh, but some people will do it anyways and they'll find out the truth and they can share the truth. Um, But what is it in the record? Is there anything to you other than the condition of the record? But what is it that is like the elephant in the room?
2: As far as uh, Lucasville or Arthur Smith?
0: Well, um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Arthur Smith.
2: Okay. Well, I mean <laughs> and, then, this... and
0: then I want your two cents on Lucasville too, because that's what got him on death row.
2: Well, I I mean, both cases it comes down to um the testimony of of um jailhouse informants. And both cases come down to um the investigations, period. You know, so you start out with, whether it's law enforcement, the prosecution's office, the defense attorneys, the lack of investigation is the entire problem of both cases. I was just they want say, what to investigation? Exactly. They want to rely on people that are going to tell them what they want to hear. And the only people that are going to do that are the people that they can offer a a sweet deal to or know that they're going to benefit from telling them what they want to hear. And that's the whole problem with all this jailhouse snitch stuff and relying on their testimony is they're benefiting from it. Every, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody is benefiting from telling them what they want to hear. And (laughs) how do you put a price on your freedom versus jail time? You don't. And if, if that's a motivating factor of whether somebody is going to be able to get out of prison and and spend time with their loved ones, that that's what the prosecution, that's what law enforcement, that's what they all bank on. And that's what mm-hmm. they use to make their job easier. When in fact, you know if if they would just investigate the case and get these witnesses testimony or statements and they would build their case off of that from people that aren't benefiting from from providing them any information they're just providing them what they know that's that's what's real that's what's true you know um and i get the whole uh the code of conduct thing, whether, it, whether it's somebody that's in a gang, whether it's somebody that has lived by that rule their whole life, most of them, and, and, and I'm going to go away from, yeah, that's, that's a big thing in the gang life, the gang culture, but it's also something that most of us growing up, our parents teach us when we have siblings, <sighs> if we're fighting right. and and we get in trouble and we run and tattle on our sibling to our parents, our parents are like, don't be tattling on us or, or don't be tattling mm-hmm. on your sister or beat up by your sibling because you tattled on them. So you go through and, life uh, growing exactly. up thinking that and learning that it's not just you know the gang culture or this or that it's something that you're you're accustomed to based on how you were raised so, it, so number it, one it that
0: was his belief i'm just going to interject for a second number one that is his code of conduct not everybody uh abides by it not everybody does such as the snitches themselves but there are many snitches that um have been murdered too Okay. That's another reason not Absolutely. What you think?
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, so absolutely, but but, but a lot of different... Yeah. but but prosecution, prosecutors and law enforcement know how to motivate those people in to giving them the information that they want. And and it's not necessarily that they're a bad person or that they told on somebody. It's a matter of it's human nature you know if if right. you're putting me in a situation where I have to choose between my kids and somebody else's life that doesn't even matter to me and, and if I do this, then I'm gonna be safe and secure with my kids versus this right. or that. they're playing on the psychology behind human nature with people you know and oh. and that's the no, thing no. that is they don't understand that that causes more problems by doing that than if they were just to do their job and investigate the case the way they should and not rely on people making things up or lying or having to give them money or deals in order to yeah. get what they want and that, that's what it comes that's down laziness to
0: and and i'm sure it's exactly and just yeah. think about this for those those that did Snitch. How many were involved in the snitching in, in these matters?
2: Oh, and Probably Arthur, eight Arthur or Smith, 10. yeah. I okay. mean, they all all that's here. all it was.
0: That's, that's what I'm getting at right now. The, just think of those that didn't snitch. So not only did these people snitch, they lied. They perjured themselves. And there are so many others. That know the truth of what really happened, including uh, including the, cor- the couple of corrections officers and other people who, you know, but but they're not snitching. They're not snitching the truth. So instead, you've got snitches that are snitching lies, and then you've got the other inmate. That aren't even snitching the truth, and you know again, they have their reasons and their code for that they do uh, well, and i, I, I think I
2: think most of the time when somebody snitches it's not because they're telling the truth it's because they're being they're, they're being bribed into saying what they are told to say because I was a jailhouse or prison
0: snitch that didn't benefit that didn't get something out of it who ever heard
2: right and most of the time a jailhouse snitch that is benefiting from whatever they're they're saying they're not telling you the truth because they wouldn't have to be offered a deal if they were willing to come forward genuinely without anything in return provide you with the truth that's the difference and let's not
3: forget jimmy was looking at a seven 30 37 to 100 years in prison at the time that he snitched and he was paroled
2: in 2005. he's out well Well, and he 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 had had a a history yeah and he had a history of doing whatever it took to make sure that he wasn't in prison and doing what he, you know, he was free. He did. We he talked, made things up. He lied. On Tuesday. Yeah.
0: What were some of the benefits that he was given before he was actually released for snitching? Let's just reiterate that. And again, this, Go ahead, is, this is a longtime ex-friend of George, right? It's an ex-friend of right. George who was in jail. George wasn't.
2: Right, but well, his, okay. So, I mean, his 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 wife was getting all of her bills paid, and he was in a position where he was getting conjugal visits. He was getting to go out in the community to watch his kids' functions. He was, I mean, he was living the life of somebody membership. that, yeah, he was living the life of somebody. He, he got, yeah, that just basically drinking, had drinking to corrections... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it it's unheard of. That those benefits don't happen I think as frequently anymore as they used to, but that just blew my mind is
1: mm-hmm. is
2: how, you know, um that happens. That just doesn't happen. <laughs> and how the community like to, yeah. yep. didn't have a problem with that was mind-boggling but that just tells you how much (laughs) the community believed what law enforcement and prosecution and everybody was doing was the right thing you know we're fearful and and
1: Uh
2: correct
3: i'd like to read something here i've got a letter from one of the people that um has had inside information to Arthur Smith and this just drives home what Connie was saying too. Um And it starts out with, you probably don't get this come, this came from one of the snitches wife. It wasn't Jimmy's. It was someone else's wife. Um And she wrote this letter to Diane Rogers, who is the wife of Jimmy or was, you probably don't get very good gas mileage with that car. Do you, you should buy yourself a Volkswagen or something like that. Maybe Doug would buy it for you. Do about anything you. Doug McAlvary is who they're referring to. That's the prosecutor. Okay. Doug would. Okay. Doug would buy it for you. He does is do he about still anything. The, he,
0: hold on. Is he still the prosecutor?
3: No. no, he is deceased now. Okay. Yeah. Um, he does do about anything that you ask him to do. Talk about having someone wrapped around your little finger. You and Jimmy sure done a job on him the whole town for that matter, that was some kind of con job you two put on him. I bet he'll never be the same. Tell me, just how did I get on the subject of Doug? Beats me too. Speaking of Doug, he will be he will be out of office here pretty soon. What are your plans then? Has he got it all set up so you can still get paid? There's a little bit more. Um, I'm sure he won't leave you out in the cold. You and Jimmy really took a lot of weight off of his shoulders, so he should take good care of you for the rest of your life. I am sure you would go for that. That is someone that received benefits and perks who gave information that was said to her, um, and now she's praising one of the snitches on what a great job they did by snowballing. They mentioned the Volkswagen because Arthur Smith drove a Volkswagen. That's how sick it is. Oh, my goodness.
0: That is that's diabolical. That's actually diabolical.
3: Yes. It, 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 it's sickening. Um, there's, there's an audio of McGalvary interviewing this same person, and she didn't know much. She's never met George, and she didn't really know much. The audio ended. Well, then they began, Doug began the audio again and said that he took her to lunch. And after lunch, lunch, um, this person had some memory come back to her and she was able to share some information. And she went on to pretty much just puke back whatever it was that was given to her as far as the information. She didn't know anything. hmm
0: you know, if anybody just goes, you know, online using well, I prefer DuckDuckGo. Dot uh, com because um, they don't uh, they don't play games with what is shared. Uh, they won't uh, uh, they'll you'll get everything from DuckDuckGo as opposed to Google will um, um, they'll hide certain things from you that they don't want you to be able to see. But I I'm, I'm looking at the Innocent Project right now and. You know, if, but if you just Google wrongful convictions and, and snitch testimony, uh, I mean, the number of exonerations, DNA and non-DNA, where jailhouse informants played a role. You know, uh, you know, we've got 167. And this is over various periods of time. Uh, the Innocent Project, um, 17. Okay, so 17% of 367 DNA DNA exoneration cases exoneration cases involve jailhouse informants so 17% of 367 if anybody wants to figure that out okay that if they're relying solely on snitch testimony that that amount of people if they were on death row, they'd be dead right now if it wasn't for DNA. And yet, they are relying on snitch testimony without one iota of DNA. What would you say the odds are that George is wrongfully convicted? <laughs> huh. Given everything that he has. Yeah. 80%, 80% of people who believe, it's 80% who believe the jurors should be informed if jailhouse informants are receiving incentives in exchange for their testimony. <clears throat> that source is from Key et al. But 2018 Nushwitz. Uh, wow, this is a long number. Two hundred and ninety-five billion five hundred and ninety-eight million seven hundred and ninety-four thousand restitution through statutory compensation and civil. Settlement, source, gutman, and empirical reexamination of state statutory compensation for the wrongfully convicted. Wow, taxpayers, how do you like that? How do you like that? You think something's got to be changed? 21% of 123 death row exonerations involve jailhouse informers. Just think of the one. That weren't exonerated. Think of the ones where the governor says, "No, no, 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 we're not going to, we're not going to hear this again."
3: Just think about that.
0: These are innocent people, innocent people being put to death, or their lives have been ripped from them and their families because of. The denial of due mm-hmm. process, unconstitutional. What it says in any statutes, rules, this and that, in any state, I don't really care because you have to be able to prove something. You have to be able to prove it, not just placing mm-hmm. the tail on the donkey with a willing stitch. <laughs> um, Angie. Uh, question for you now I'm aware they have had this uh, these records for 20 something years how many people do you think have come and gone during that time in the public defender's office
3: there's been a lot of people that have come and gone not only public defenders but people who've written books, people that had put on plays, um, documentaries, you know, and, and made money, and they see this this investigation. They see the wrong that was done. Some try to stand up and fight. Profit. Something happened. Um, something happened that, and I could see that the the public defenders they push pretty hard. They don't like. To be questioned whatsoever, and um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of answers that that is required here. Um, we've got a lot of questions, so uh, there was private attorneys that even came in and um, investigated this case, and they just moved on. And what's sad about this investigation is so many yes, people have passed away. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they – just like George said, he wants to know from his – those public defenders, how do you go to bed and lay your head down at night with this information, knowing it's been there for 20-some years, and there's a man sitting on death row for crimes that he did not commit, and you know, you know it. And he wants an answer to that. when you go back
0: to the records from the public defender on Mr. Smith's case, has, has Georgia ever seen any of those records? He, oh, my gosh, Tanya. Yeah.
3: We're sending him copies of stuff that of, – of his records that he didn't even know existed. In 2017 – So he's
0: allowed to get those now?
3: Yes. He should have got them a long time ago. Um of course. But they just didn't take care of him. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, in 2007 – we were we were told that – and I was under the impression that the public defender filed the motion to expand – and a motion to correct and expand the file. Well, after we investigated that a little bit more, it wasn't even its public defenders that filed that motion. I couldn't tell you the last motion they filed. It was way early 2000s. This was done by a, another attorney who had wrote a book on Lucasville, and um, he's seen the, the, what was going on the racket and George being framed, and he, he filed a motion trying to help George. And no so one, one ever followed up with it. it. No. Uh,
0: so when somebody can control the court docket, what gets to the judge and what doesn't, um, then you know you've got some systematic infiltration and corruption going on.
2: Mhm. Oh, it's deep. Um,
0: uh, okay. So George, at the time, did he know? that the records that he's getting now, did he ever know that these records
3: existed? He knew the, the investigation took place, but he didn't know to what extent and what was said. And a lot of the motions and um, decisions, he didn't know there was a dec- decision made on the 2017 filing. I don't think the federal public defenders even know it because they keep saying that they filed this motion, the same exact motion that this other attorney filed. So, <laughs> it's 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 beyond me what they're doing to help him but George had no idea a lot of this existed and it's really hard, it's hard to share this information with George because some of, like that letter I just read I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to hurt George George is for being on test row, this man has a sense of humor, he's very kind and he's very humble and He's having difficulty he's just even processing all this, but he's trying to stay in his in his wits because he's 75 years old. He went in when he was 36, oh, you know? God. So he's getting these records now and he's seeing things that people said about him and, and they didn't do anything. They just let him sit there for 20 years while his kids grew up, while his yeah. wife divorced him, his mother dies. I mean, he oh, loses he everyone and everything.
0: Passed by him the relationship with his, with his daughter, you know, that, mm-hmm. oh boy. And his wife divorced him. Why? Because she just couldn't wait anymore or because it was just too painful or that's personal. Probably. You probably don't want to get there. Yeah. You know, I mean, that would be at the very hard. Everybody's going to handle something a different way after a certain period of time. Um, that's, uh, okay. So, um, oh the information and the records that you've obtained, they were there for 20 years. So has has any of that ever been, and Connie, you can probably help with this too. Has any of that um, been presented in court?
3: Connie? Is she here?
2: Sorry, I had to unmute me. Uh, Oh, that's okay. No worries. Uh, Did you hear the question? Okay. No, I don't. I I never saw any of it uh, documented. There was an affidavit that came later by uh, Danny Danny Stanley that was presented to the to the court, but no, n- none of this information was um, ever used presented. Mm-hmm. The jury didn't hear it. I mean, and, and there's the
0: so <laughs> so right evidence that
2: never came forward. Well, and there's, there's so much more that even after the fact that came to light that nobody, that has never been presented in court, you know? Um, <laughs> oh, okay. And that after he was convicted? Yes. And after the Lucas bill, you know, right. There's, right. there's a ton of stuff that came to light after the Lucas bill of investigators that were going back questioning people um, about the Arthur Smith stuff that has never, never been used, never been fought, never been presented to the court. And, and it wasn't
3: the public defenders investigators that did it.
0: And it's no. on that basis that a new trial should take place.
2: Absolutely. A, a new yeah. trial, I mean, you present this now or anybody it, whether it's the public defenders, I don't know if they can do anything because with the state, you know, um, case, but oh, they can definitely well, saying, refer yeah, it to somebody that could. Right. Yeah. Um, it's their obligation.
0: But, so, so let me ask you this: uh, the attor- the uh, attorney general is the attorney general the same attorney general, or probably not? Is the governor the same governor? And I'm thinking probably not as well.
2: No, I no. no. Okay.
0: Which could give no. cause. Now, how about? Uh, uh, yeah. So, the, the, which could give some good cause? Uh, you, you know, and would make it a little bit easier for another trial to take place, one would think. Um, Tanya, what's but, hard
3: about this, though, is we've got federal public defenders involved defending him for the Lucasville case. They're they not right. supposed to have anything to do with the Arthur Smiths murder because that's a state right. case. So we've applied to the Innocence Projects, wrongful conviction, conviction organizations, all these places, and no one – wants to get involved because of the federal public defenders handling the Lucasville case. No one will get involved.
0: Right. I understand that. But guess, but guess what? The Lucasville case isn't the Arthur Smith case, although the Lucasville case is what has got him on death row. So, mm-hmm. uh, oh, boy. And, and so well, the Arthur Smith case was a mitigating circumstance. You know, because of the public defenders, it disqualifies him from uh, the Innocent Project. So, what he really mm-hmm. needs
3: is
2: a private attorney to,
3: yeah.
2: or 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 somebody um, to that's willing to behalf. file. Yeah. Or I mean, it's it's really for the prosecutor you know, Eric point, Stewart
3: opening up the case again.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's key right there. That would be huge for yes. the Arthur Smith thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not
0: for Arthur Smith, but why not? Okay. But why not? Lucasville would have to be
3: thrown out then because it was based why? off of well, information least, from
2: – go ahead. Yeah, but, at least, but that's least At least the death penalty would I, – I would think they would at least have to relook at the the sentencing because if the sentencing – um was uh partly because of what he originally was in there for you know okay. it, it may change that well changing right.
0: it from death to life okay that would be a start but it's all long that's the thing mm-hmm. um
2: mm-hmm.
0: so uh, what what did George say um once he found out all the content of of the records because i mean he knew an investigation took place uh but it was
2: only recently
0: that he has been privy to the actual records
2: well Well, and i don't know that he's even i don't know that he's even privy to the records except for what we angie and justice and and the report i did you know is 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 providing to him. I don't think anybody else is really providing him any records, right, Angie?
3: Right. Yeah. It's just he not have all the, the information. File.
2: Yeah. All right. So
3: because they'll only let us send in five pages at a time. How do you do that when you've got over six thousand documents? You got. You can send in five pages, one side at a time.
2: Or that's not. You must have gotten mine when I sent it in legal mail. Yes, yeah, okay, so uh
0: so Arthur Smith he was uh his cause of death was what
3: he was shot four times, um okay, and he was hit on the head
0: literally is there a smoking gun to point to George is there a um uh is there a weapon that has been? Uh, retrieved is there you know the gun Um,
3: as a matter of fact they took out I don't know I can't tell you exactly how many guns they took out of George's house but it was quite quite a number that was taken out every one of them were tested not one of them was found to be the gun that killed Arthur Smith
0: okay and oh okay wow so this is interesting. No, there's so,
2: there's no forensic evidence, no, no nothing that links George to this at all, except so for. So maybe
0: somebody thinking, well, what about the gun that was the one that killed Arthur Smith? Did he have one that was missing that w- went unaccounted for? No, it wasn't it his
3: nothing. No. Nope. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay.
0: Well. That's a pretty decent process of elimination right there. So there's no DNA. There's only snitch mm-hmm. testimony, which, you know, you've just heard just only some of the
3: statistics. And corroborated um, by the wife.
0: And it's corroborated by the wife, and it's all hearsay. It's literally hearsay. Mm-hmm. There's not yeah, one. There's and,
2: and even Jimmy, the, the snitch, didn't even witness it himself. He's just saying Mm -hmm. that this is what George told him. So he never saw, he never, he never actually saw the body. He never Mm -hmm. saw the shooting. He never saw anything happen. He didn't even know if, if he was really dead or, (laughs) or, or anything. He just is saying that this is what George told him. And then his wife is is saying, that this is what my husband told me, George told him.
0: <laughs> oh, imagine this. So we've got a hard, hardened criminal who is admitted to 17 different crimes, uh, the last time anyway, that he was guilty of. He even had actually admitted, didn't he, to the murder of, um, yes, of she Arthur did. Smith? Yes,
3: he did, Arthur Smith. Yeah. Yes, he did.
0: He actually admitted. So now imagine imagine the fact that imagine the fact that we have credible testimony from people who literally had their lives to lose that is giving hearsay that essentially have been bribed, extorted, you know promised everything and that's in my opinion that's what it is um in order to frame. George for this. Imagine them actually, the gall of these hardened criminals and uh, Diane, for, who was first indicted, right had, to get, right? had to get the wife out of trouble there. Imagine them getting on the stand and changing their testimony and snitching. Imagine that, framing somebody else, because that's all it took, is them to say that George did it. Imagine that. Right.
2: And these public Yeah, pers- and I, uh, go ahead. I don't even think, I mean, it's, it's hard to even know whether Jimmy was there that night or not. I, I don't know if this was just a complete fabrication from the get-go just to benefit him and his wife. Because because you both did tell me that there's no DNA that points to him either. Is that right? Right. right. And he talks about driving this car that has a clutch (laughs) and a a manual stick shift that is clearly in the pictures. uh, There's no clutch. There's no stick shift. So to me. And the only no fingerprint DNA in there. Exactly. And to me, it's just questionable whether he was even there or not, or if he just took all of this information that was put out in the media, or by the media, and, you know, went along with it, and then the prosecution and the law enforcement officers just told him, you know, filled in the rest for him. I'm just Except wondering why he would admit for, to begin with, Because it was going to benefit him. That's the only, that's, that was the only reason he did what he did. Oh, Whether,
0: that's how he yeah. got involved, got you.
2: Oh, yeah. my God. So he may not even have been involved in it, period, there whatsoever. It could have been a completely different person, but it was going to benefit him. And he saw that and he took advantage of it. Now, we got you know, I could be wrong. no liar. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? Most of, most of the jailhouse snitches that are looking for a deal and a way out, they're going to be watching the media. They're going to be watching the things that are put out there, and they're going to come forward to law enforcement and say, hey, I have information from my cellie that told me about this. Will you offer me a deal? And that's, that's what they right. do because it, it's going to benefit them. That's how they think when that's their motivation. And there was enough put out by the media, those two years from the time it happened to the time he came, you know, was indicted and came forward. He had it. He had it all. He knew where the body was. He knew how many gunshots he knew what car, you know, he knew all that information. He knew that there was and and how easy would it be for them? They don't have anything but time sitting in there thinking, Okay, how can I get out? Well, this is the way. This is somebody wow. that's tried to escape before. So they're gonna right. go to whatever extent that they can to, to to make it happen. And and that's that's one possibility that he wasn't even there. That night, he didn't know anything. He just put this story together to put it on somebody else to get a deal.
0: And isn't it true that they presented a, a gun in court that belonged to the snitch, the liar, Jimmy, Rogers, and it was negative for being a murder weapon, right?
3: Right. Okay. Wow.
0: So that would go to show that if that gun was presented at all, presented was it uh, because if he admitted to to doing or being there and being a part of it and yet even that cannot be proven you, you know once again here we have zero forensics zero
2: yeah I mean there's there just <laughs> honestly there was a any any evidence, you know, that pointed to either one of them even being there that night. The prosecutor okay, had a lot I'm to hide. Okay, I'm checking
0: notes. I'm checking notes also. All right. Um, that that very same gun, that that gun, uh, that was used by Jimmy Rogers, uh, in uh, a robbery, that actually earned him that 130
2: years right yeah but that gun didn't have anything to do with except it it was it was something that they used to uh as a prior bad act (laughs) towards you know as as far as something that they thought george was involved in but none of those prior bad acts that they used in court even implicated george or was he convicted or, or nobody even identified him as being somebody that was there during that those those situations. So, so then they presented I mean, the
0: gun because it was an evidence
2: for the case that he was
0: that uh, that Jimmy was already bossed before, right?
2: Right. That they were trying okay. to say George was in, you know, involved with him in those previous robberies right. or whatnot. Right, but nobody, nobody could, ask. and that was kind of a joke so they were at trial for because
0: credibility that doesn't
2: exactly. line up. Okay.
3: okay. Exactly. Wow. Well, let's With not forget about that, what was going that, on at rinks too, Connie. Yeah. It,
2: yeah. It's it's,
1: <laughs> That's it's a, a whole joke kind of right? way
2: around. So Arthur
0: Smith was the manager of Rinks, which is a department store that happened to um, that happened to also sell guns. Um, and there was this little ring uh, going on. This little uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, a for-profit for profit uh, for employees were stealing. Some of the guns and whatnot, and they were giving them to the uh, police officers. And um, the back from the back door, uh, the serial numbers were getting rubbed off, sanded off. They would sell it black market to uh, people uh, black market, and then the police officers would go arrest them, and or and bribe them, and then they would go do it again and again and again. So this is part of this little ring that was going on Nartha Arthur Smith had found out about it and he was coming right. out to uh, and they knew he found out about it right isn't this the backstory of the Arthur Smith case for, for our listeners Correct. just to
3: kind he of circle this around that, yes. yep oh. Arthur Smith told his adult children about um, his words were this they think he- they're pulling the wool over this old man's eyes I know what's going on and who's involved, and I'm going to bring it to light. A week later, he was murdered.
2: Okay.
0: Wonder how. I he think says that's to the
3: sheriff.
2: Sorry. I'm sorry, Angie. I think that's that no. key in this whole case is. Yeah. Um, nobody ever listened to Arthur Smith's kids on in law what you know? Any of them in what they had to bring to the table, and I think that says right. a lot about, right? You know, what the prosecution wow. was was doing, and what actually went down is because I think they have they have all the information, and nobody wanted to listen to it. And I think, you know, it's it's time for somebody to listen to them because, you know, at the end of the day, (laughs) they were the victim's family. Mm -hmm. And nobody has ever listened to them up until this point. And that's that's sad, you know, they want closure. They deserve closure and, you know, it's-
3: They believe in George's innocence. They testified for the defense on George's behalf during the trial, stating, oh. George did not kill my father. They, they, wow. they knew it from day one. And that's one thing so that this Sheila, is the that daughter of Uther Smith,
0: Years later, this is something that they knew from the beginning there was a wrongful conviction taking place. So here they are. They presented a gun because it was evidence for a different case, right? Trying to lend credibility to themselves. But ultimately... The bottom line, Sam Gained, is there was no weapon that was actually presented at all, once again, uh, proving that there was no forensic evidence whatsoever. Now, do you, does anybody know uh, if Arthur had relayed back to his children that he had talked to the employee or employees that were involved in this? Uh, is there anything that's filled filling in the gaps there?
3: Well, you know Connie, correct me if you if I'm wrong. It's kind of looked at because when they found Arthur Smith's body, um they claimed that there was a he's now retired sheriff of Logan County, sheriff deputy of Logan County. Um, his name and phone number was in Arthur Smith's wallet. There's really no reason they it should have been unless he was involved. Because this person played a really big role in transporting some of the, the people who got immunity from prison to court um, and investigating. He helped. He was the lead investigator. So,
2: wow. I don't know.
3: I just, there's a lot of, and Sheila wrote a letter to George in 1989, and I have a copy and of it. And she Yama? says-
1: Sheba Sheila is the is daughter
3: wonderful. of Yes. Yeah, she's the daughter she's seventy nine now and she's the daughter of Arthur Smith. Um and she was an adult wow. and married with children. Yeah. She was a These and you know, I've spoken really with her so many larger. times. Okay. This lady it, 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 it affected the way that she mothered, it affected the way she lived her life, it affected her quality of life, not only losing her father to a horrible crime, but knowing that there's a man in prison for the crime that he did not commit and she wrote this letter um to george and it was february yeah february 19th 1989 and she's talking about how it's kind of his um the last 10 years have been held has been hard for me but i have halfway learned to to live with it it's the dishonesty and injustice and cor- corruption that's hard to live with. I have to look at all these people lying in this town and there are a lot of them, but I'd never I'd never change my never exchange my hell for you for for what he's had to go through. She believes in his innocence. Um she so had to look did, at these did people.
0: He ever say, did any of the kids ever say who they felt genuinely was guilty and was it ever investigated
2: Go ahead, Connie. I think they felt that uh Arthur's wife had something to do with it. Now that that's, was That's his, what I get. uh
0: that was uh, who was actually the
2: stepmother, correct? Right. To well, the yeah. kids. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because there it was took her two days to of, tell
3: the kids that he was missing.
2: Yeah, there was a it lot took of two days. Yeah, and a, a lot of you know things that happened, just inconsistencies in her statements as far as what she gave the prosecutors, what she told them, and then you know the the new carpet, the new furniture, the amount of money that was cleaning out the bank account right yeah. after. And what? you know, the other the other thing that really stood out is you know, the so wife of somebody. Insurance? Did
0: she get life insurance? Yes, she did. Yeah. Did he also fire to her?
3: Yes, she got the house. She got the child. She got the cars. She got life insurance. Um, uh, she got uh money from rinks. And the um one of the snitches got the reward money and the crooked a private investigator, Tom Martin,
2: yeah, the other thing is is the <laughs> wife was she wasn't at, at at any of the trial, you know, as far as i mean Georgia's trial when any of it was going on um, should they what? they rearranged her testimony because she was flying out of town or out of the country actually to go see her family. So, she wasn't even there. She, was she wasn't even involved. If, yeah. Oh it my was God. it was like she didn't even want to I mean, it didn't matter to her what happened as far as the conviction or getting justice for her husband's death. She she wasn't there. She wasn't right. around. And that well, her, that never
0: opened up on her then.
2: No. Right. Because Okay. And and that kind of goes with the whole conspiracy thing because suppos- supposedly she was having an affair with one of the um, sheriff's deputies or one of the law enforcement officers. and Was we you know, using the gun
0: by any chance?
2: Possibly. Possibly. Or knew about I, it. I, or I, and I, I don't
0: mean, you know, I'm trying not for that to be hypothetical, but hypothetical really. I'm trying to find out. Like, the the person that supposedly she was having an affair with, was he one of the officers that you know of that was actually engaged in this little uh, theft ring?
2: Um, I don't think it's ever been proven. I think it's all been speculation, but, you okay. know, with how the investigation was handled and how things, you know, transpired. We
0: hard and to find out now
2: you know just as much as you everybody wants to say that you know um the the code of of not snitching and being loyal to your your gang or whatever it might be uh law enforcement is probably (laughs) worse than any any street gang could be when it comes to the code they're not going to go against each other i mean it's they're They're loyal to each other between the law yes. and the criminal. and it's just, you know yes well and and that's where it's like the whole code of conduct it's 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 human nature, how you're raised what what group you're involved in, what gang you're involved in, and law enforcement is just as much of a gang as the gangster disciples or you know the, the aryan brother has to be there it's, you know it's good exactly
0: you have to be there because you have to save each other's lives have each other's backs. but it's being when it's being used the way it's being used here i mean it's my understanding that um arthur's wife was actually having an affair with the lead investigating
2: officer that's,
0: i don't i don't that's, think that's...
2: that was the case but was it uh, well that was that, that... He was kind that of shut out. Um,
0: shared with me just uh, by by a very credi- credible, um, somebody that we know, that we have in common, okay?
3: He was found um, to I- be in Rink's office um, when they went back to um, investigate and see if the money was gone. It was written in the, I don't know if it was written by that officer or someone else of saying who was there but it was said I that
0: he was at.
2: If,
0: I'm wondering if if the the adult children, the senior children now, because they are 79, 80s, whatever it is. I wonder if they any um, if they ever supplied any testimony or written affidavit about uh, the state of um, of their father's relationship with the mother. Uh, I also understand that there are a couple of notebooks. Um, That were found on his body, but they were never logged into evidence and that there's not that they possibly could have been. I'm wondering, so they were never logged in evidence. I wonder where they are, those notebooks, Um, but it could have been the information for the uh, the theft ring that he had been putting together.
3: Can I share with you a conversation I had with um, one of the retired sheriff's deputy and one of the Bell Fountain Police officers that was on the case? Can I share with you something, a conversation yep, I had I with them? I
0: closing out in about, okay. uh, in, in no more than two minutes, but I want our listeners okay. to know this will be continued on Tuesday. Okay, so you go
3: ahead. Phone call number one. I called, I spoke with a Philip Alloway. He's a retired sheriff. He's a trustee now of, here in Ohio. I said to him, you know George Skates did not commit the murder of Arthur Smith. And his answer to me was, he was a very scary guy. I repeated myself three times to him and three different times his answer was George was a, a very scary guy. So that he ne- he didn't say George did do it. Yes, he did. He he didn't defend it. Then I spoke with another, a Bellfountain police officer, Carl May. And I said, Mr. May, you know George Skates did not commit the murder of Arthur Smith. And his answer to me was, He may not have committed that, but he's done other things to get himself in there. And I have that on recording.
0: Okay. So nobody is giving any straight answers. So what are those other things? We're going to have to cut it off there, Uh, Connie and Angie. I want to thank you uh, for tonight. And uh, obviously, you know this case inside and out as I'm getting to know it. And I have put in for a uh, media request to interview George, and I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, we him. will continue uh we'll continue this on this coming Tuesday. Uh so that'll be the twenty eighth, I believe. Uh Monday do no, that'll be the twenty seventh at it'll be eight thirty Eastern time. It will be seven thirty Central Time, it'll be thirty mountain time and it will be five thirty Pacific time. I wanna thank uh Stephen Burke from 89.9 KLRB FM, Lighthouse Christian Radio, and Marty Oakley. Marty Oakley with TS Radio Network, and this show is also brought to you in collaboration with Marcel Reed and the Whistle and a Whistleblower Summit. I am Tanya Hathaway, and I'm your host with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told. Good night, and God bless.